one bad half of football. All right, sorry about that. We had a little uh, technical difficulty there. Um, uh, now I'm going to play this clip from Beamer. And that was against Florida a couple weeks ago. They've really been operating at a high level. Uh, offensively, the quarterbacks are tremendous, can make every single throw on the field. Uh, took, took the first play of the game on Saturday and ran for about 80 yards uh, as the quarterback uh, on a run. So he can certainly run. Uh, offensive line, a lot of those guys return. They uh, brought in two guys from the transfer portal that are starting for them and are really good players. Uh, wide receiver group is deep. Uh, added to the tight end core, starter return, brought a transfer in that's a really talented uh, young man as well. Running backs, they're deep. They got three running backs that can all go. They've all got great vision, speed, burst, quickness. Uh, that'll be a challenge for us, without a doubt. They are the leading rushing offense in the SEC. So last year against Mississippi State, we uh, or last week against Mississippi State, we faced the number one rushing offense in the conference. This week we get to do it again, and uh, they ran. All right. Welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, uh, joined by Alan. We're going to be previewing the South Carolina rematch with Tennessee after that big home win last year that really kind of set the stage um, for a lot of uh, what we've been talking about over the past I don't know, 10 months or whatever, yeah. um, really kind of kicked off a lot of the optimism around this program, um, led into a successful recruiting season, and um, really, you know, has led into a lot of the success that's started off this season, although maybe, you know, that depends on who you ask on, on where we're at right now, I guess. But um, before we get fully into that, I did want to share a quick recruiting note. Um, it's actually basketball recruiting this time. Um 2025 in-state power forward Hayden Asimian. I believe that's how you say it. Uh, he's a 6'8 forward from uh, Legacy Early College in Greenville. Um, announced his commitment to South Carolina on Tuesday. Um, right now, he doesn't have a ranking. I'm expecting him, him to be like a three-star or so. Uh, definitely starting to uh, pick up a little bit more momentum. He had offers already from... App State, George Mason, Hampton, and Wake Forest. Um, but again, I think South Carolina kind of got in early there and uh, did a good job with that one. We're going to have a film breakdown on his game uh, posted later today or tomorrow on GamecocksGroup.com. So go check that out if you want to learn a little bit more about that guy. And then I have um, a little bit more recruiting notes tomorrow in the weekly recruiting wrap-up. Obviously, it's an away game, um, but one of South Carolina's big targets will be in attendance this weekend with Daniel Hill visiting Knoxville for that one. Um, and then you got a bye week in which I think you'll have a, a couple visitors and then back home. So it's going to start ramping up. I think Florida is actually going to be a pretty big visitor. Homecoming. Yeah. One to look out for. Um, all right. Let's talk Tennessee. So. If South Carolina fans haven't been paying attention to Tennessee so far this year, uh, it's been kind of an up-and-down start. They lost to Florida, who hasn't looked particularly great or anything. Um, obviously, Florida lost to Utah without their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. It's been kind of up-and-down themselves. Um, I think the biggest storyline so far has been Joe Milton III. 
who had an excellent Orange Bowl to end last year. And I think that led a lot of people to assume that he's just he was just going to st- step in and kind of pick up where Hinden Hooker left off. Um, so far, he has not been as successful as Hinden Hooker at least in the passing game, though, as Beamer mentioned, he did have an 80-yard touchdown run the other week. Um, and really, Tennessee in general has uh, put a lot more emphasis on the running game this year, maybe because they haven't been able to get as much done uh, through the air. They're averaging two, almost 230 rush yards per game. Um, like Beamer said, after South Carolina pretty much shut down Mississippi State last week in the run game, um, Tennessee is now the leading uh, running team in the SEC. They've run for 10 touchdowns. Um, and then on the passing side, they're really only throwing for about 234 yards a game. And while Joe Milton hasn't been perfect, he has done a decent job of protecting the football, um, even though he hasn't been entirely as accurate as you might want. Uh, he's only thrown one interception in 133 attempts so far this year. Um, so, yeah, what is, I guess what is this tennis, this 2023 iteration of Tennessee look like for you, and how does South Carolina match up? I think the thing that jumps out to me about Tennessee is, look, we know the goals of this offense by now at tier three. They're going to go as fast as they possibly can. They're going to cover every blade of grass. They're going to space and pace you. That's kind of the whole thing. I think what makes this Tennessee team different, A, from their last two with Hypo and B, just most of the teams you're going to face, is not just the threat to run the ball, but like we, we heard from Shane there in that opening clip, the threat to run the ball from kind of all angles, different backs. Um, here's a quick question for you that I looked up last night. How many teams in FBS have at least four players with 100 rushing yards this year? Do you know? Um, probably two or three, maybe it's one of the two. service academies. Tennessee and Air Force. Yep, Tennessee and Air Force, only two in the country. Triple option Air Force. So you've got one of them is Milton, and then you got the three, um, excuse me, the three running backs there along with Milton, with um, Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, Dylan Sampson. You've got four guys who are a threat to – not just run the ball, but run the ball explosively. All four of those guys have at least one 30-yard carry this year whenever they get the ball. They're going to roll those guys in and out quick. They're going to be able to do a lot of different things schematically in the running game because of their skill sets. Um, that, to me, is what kind of jumps out. Is that It's not facing a Jaquavius Marks where you're game planning around one guy. It's not maybe you're facing Clemson and just got that kind of obvious thunder and lightning with Shipley and Maffa. It's three guys plus a quarterback who can all run and do kind of different things. Yeah, um, and I think we saw last week that South Carolina did put an emphasis on um, stopping marks and did a good job, uh, as we mentioned in our review on Sunday, which you can go back and listen to if you haven't on any podcast app or on our YouTube channel. Um, But I think at times that I opened up some of those deep balls off of play action. Um, So South Carolina is going to have to do a good job of emphasizing the run, uh, making sure that you – because there's going to be a lot of misdirection and stuff too, so making sure you're kind of staying home um, on some of those plays and also uh, being ready for that play-action pass because even though Drew Melton hasn't been the most accurate so far this year, he can sling it a mile. Um, so if, yeah. a, if a wide receiver gets behind your safeties, he can definitely hit them. That, I think, is your doomsday scenario if you're South Carolina and you're kind of stacking this game up right now defensively is your secondary struggled a lot last week. I mean, Will Rogers had a career day. Um, and that's one of those things that Clayton White was saying yesterday that, you know, yes, the secondary is more talented than that. Yes, it will probably play better. But no, you can't just throw that out as a bad night. You can't just burn the tape on that. Like when you give up 500 yards passing, almost something went wrong. Something has to be corrected. 
Um, I think you and I both agree that the secondary is better than they played last week against Mississippi State, but it's going to be quick. There's going to be, you know, deep balls. There's going to be tempo. You got to get lined up. There's not going to have time to sub in this game. So that's something else Clayton White was talking about yesterday. Um, we've heard a lot about communication with young players in the secondary this year, and it's going to have to be better than it has all year in this game because you can get burned pretty quick with even just one missed assignment against this quarterback. Yeah, and that is one of the most difficult things about facing this Tennessee offense is you just don't have a lot of time to regroup uh, if things do start to spiral, um, which is why they can score so quickly. And even last year in in South Carolina's big win, there's a couple of drives that were two or three plays, right, where uh, Tennessee got what they wanted and exploited it very quickly without South Carolina even really having time to to gather themselves. I do think uh, there's some concern about the health of Joe Milton right now. Um, I, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I know you talked to the rivals, uh, Tennessee folks, uh, earlier this week. I don't know what they had to say about it. There were some sort of Twitter rumors, I guess, that he had gone off site to get his knee checked out. Um, Heupel didn't necessarily completely shut down that that happened, um, but it sounds like he they, he is going to play, I think. Yes, he's uh, play. Possible, he took he's a big hit gonna... in the first half last week, and they didn't need him a lot down the stretch because they were up like 30. But he's, by all accounts, going to play. Just kind of got the wind knocked out of him. But And, and apparently there's some sort of knee something, yeah. but it, it – maybe just a sprain or, or whatever. All I'm saying is perhaps he won't be quite as mobile um, as he has been thus far. We'll kind of have to see. Um, I do think that part of your game plan, if you're South Carolina, is to force him to throw the ball. Um, obviously, he can beat you on those deep throws, but I think, like you said, the secondary issues, I think right now we would call them an, an anomaly. Um, and if you can kind of settle in and force him to beat you with your arm, that's your, probably your best bet of um, causing him to make some mistakes, uh, causing some inconsistencies. But if you can, if they can get the the running game going and just kind of eat away five yards carry, uh, it's going to be really tough. I think there's a scenario here where this could look like the second half of the Georgia game and kind of what they were able to do to South Carolina. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line is not as good as Georgia's, but just – kind of the way that went just picking up like you said five yard chunks at a time when you when you say make milton throw the ball are you kind of thinking that this is a pin your ears back and force him to beat you game are you thinking you maybe need to heat him up a little bit i don't know that you're necessarily gonna scheme things terribly Mm -hmm. differently um i don't know that you're gonna stack the box or or anything like that um i i do think that there's a run first sort of emphasis to their offense right now. So there needs to be a run for first sort of emphasis to your defense. Um, and I do think at least right now he's, he's I'm, he can get hot. We saw him do it in the orange bowl last year, um, but he's just been inconsistent to start the season. So if you can force him into more throwing situations uh, by slowing them down on first and second down and creating some, some longer plays, which South Carolina did probably the best they've done all year on that. Uh, last week, uh, they just got beat over the top a couple times. But um, then I think you're you like where you're sitting. Um, like you mentioned, I think their offensive line is a potential weakness. If we want to look on the flip side, I think their defensive line is better than people might expect. Um, probably, definitely the best defensive line you've faced since North Carolina. Uh, even um, Georgia is the most talented, obviously, but they are young and inexperienced and, and whatever. They didn't have their 
best day. Um, so I think that this is going to be a real test for South Carolina's young offensive line as well. No, I mean, the the numbers kind of speak for themselves right now. And you can you can say Tennessee's played, you know, Virginia, Austin P, UTSA. That's fine. Uh, 39 tackles for loss in four games against anybody. I don't care who you are. 16 sacks in four games. Um, they're going to roll a lot of bodies. They've got just really good, talented players up front. And it's kind of – I think Clayton uh, – excuse me, Dowell Loggins and Shane Beamer both said this is uh, going to be the best front they've seen this year. And that's kind of different from the Tennessee teams we've seen in the past. I mean, they didn't get barely any pressure on Spencer Rattler last year in that game. I think kind of the false narrative right now with these Josh Heupel team is offense, go, 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 defense can't keep up. I don't know if that's necessarily true about this version of Tennessee. And going back to your point, okay, offensive line, I don't want to say solidified, but you feel the best about it you have all year, right? Like you got, you feel like, you had the same five play every snap in the second half last week. So you feel like you got your five or you're close to getting your five. Can those five kind of take what they did last week and really take what they did two weeks ago, just in terms of, all right, you've played in a big environment. You know what that's like, you know what that sounds like and kind of put those two weeks together to something Saturday, I think is what you're looking for. Yeah, I do think uh, going on the road is a little bit of disadvantage there, but like you said, it's not going to be worse there than it was in Athens. Um, I also think from a schematic standpoint, the defense maybe isn't quite as the defense that you're facing is maybe not quite as complex as the one you faced last week, as far as having to read, uh, linebackers and all those. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be played a little bit more straightforward. That said, um, Tennessee's front is very talented, so I'm, they're definitely going to be tested, but I expect South Carolina to continue to chip as well. Uh, keep tight ends and running backs in there to help. Um, and that's worked pretty well for them so far. And honestly, when you have a guy like Xavier Leggett on the outside, uh, that helps a lot too, right? You don't necessarily need to be running five wide to get guys open because Xavier Leggett has proven against the best of the best so far uh, that he can get it open up against pretty, pretty much anyone. So I think that kind of gets to what I think the backbone of this week is if you're South Carolina. Yes, you're an underdog. I can't say that's you know unwarranted or that you should be favored. You Tennessee is three and one playing at home in a big game. Kind of what they've had. I think Tennessee rivals uh, Ryan Sylvia told me this is kind of their Super Bowl. They kind of had this one circled since last year. The way that game ended, um, you can win this football game. You, I'm a big believer that as long as in this sport, as long as you have the better quarterback on the field and you've got the best wide receiver on the field, I don't care who you're playing or where, you have a chance to win. I think we saw that in Athens when South Carolina played the most talented team in the country and hung in there. If Spencer Rattler is playing well and Spencer Rattler can outplay Joe Milton, which there's no reason to think he can't right now based on four games of evidence from each guy. Yeah. You can absolutely win this football game. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to talk to you about that line a little bit because I thought based on, we talked on Sunday, we were trying to guess, we said maybe like eight ish. Um, and based on what these two teams have done on the football field in 2023, Based on the way that these two teams match up with some similar names last year, it was kind of shocking to me that uh, Tennessee opened at 14 and a half. It seemed like it was shocking or 14, whatever it was. Uh, it seemed like yeah, it was like 11 and a half, I think. I, I was about to say, it seems like it was shocking to betters too because the, the line has started to move the other direction. Uh, right now I have it at 12. 12. Um, what do you think, I guess, Vegas was seeing there uh, that everyone else seems to be 
missing? Is it just that it's at night in a stadium full of 110,000 people? Is that the big difference you think? Uh, some of that maybe. I think what if you're trying to look at this game from a betting perspective, what people might be seeing is just that mismatch up front kind of. And yes, there is still – if you watch South Carolina week one versus – and maybe you haven't watched them since then. You checked out after they were on the game day game and you saw them give up nine sacks. You might see a total mismatch here with South Carolina's offensive line facing the D-line that's leading the SEC in sacks right now. And it might play out that way. Um, I think even Shane Beamer said Tuesday that we're not ready to give them the Joe Moore Award because they had one good game as an offensive line. Like This offensive line is still growing. It has a couple more gears to go up, I think. But I think if you just look at it like that, of what could be a mismatch up front and what that can do to a football game, and what South Carolina is going to need is clean pockets and dropbacks for Spencer. Yeah, I can understand how you get there, even though I don't think it's going to get to that point myself. I also wonder if there's still hesitance to believe from a national perspective uh, in Spencer Rattler that he is this guy that he's shown over the past, what, six games now? Um, yeah, seven if you count the Tennessee game last year. Okay, yeah, seven games now. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to buy into this trend being real. Um, I, I believe Dowell Loggins, he's used this term several times now. He's called him spaghetti sauce. <laughs> um, because he's and, – and that's credit. I guess we can get into this a little bit too, but that's credit to the way that Loggins has been sure. running this offense in the sense of putting a lot of trust in Rattler to make the right read, to, to check out of stuff uh, at the line, all those sorts of things. But – I don't know. Spencer's been pushing the right buttons for like seven games now. Also, happy birthday, Spencer Rattler today. Yeah. Way. He's 23. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I tend to think that we're going to continue to see more of the same. And if we do and Xavier gets healthy, um, I think they can score against anyone. I kind of tend to, I tend to agree with you on that, too. I think the number doesn't – again, it's one of those things we just look at box score versus watch the game. 14 points against Georgia doesn't indicate they can score against anybody, but you saw how that first half looked, especially you saw what Dow Loggins was calling. Um, and I'm completely with you on Loggins. I think something someone asked Shane about that on Tuesday, just kind of assessing the hire through the first third of the season. I don't know how you have anything but good things to say right now. We talked a little bit about maybe relying on the run too much and some things in the Mississippi State game, but taking the whole picture of what this, what he's had to work with, some of the injuries up front. I mean, you're down both your starting tackles right now. I think it's easy to forget that because one of them got hurt in the spring and one of them got hurt on play one of game one. But you're down two tackles right now, and you're hanging in there on offense. Scored 37 last week. Um, I think Dowell Loggins understands that Spencer Rattler is his best player, and he's kind of building around that. And if you want to extend that to his second best player, or first you want to flip the two at Leggett, building around what works, just kind of basing everything off that. And you're seeing the results through four games. Yeah. And I think you mentioned this, but just to expand, he's done a really good job schematically of covering up uh, your weaknesses. Uh, yes. the, the ball is getting out very quick, um, which is helping with that pass protection. Um, maybe North Carolina, there was a little bit more of a reliance on like five, seven step drops, whatever. But then you realize uh, you can't do that and you make the exactly. adjustment. Yeah. But he's made the adjustment. I think that that's. That's the really encouraging thing if you're a South Carolina fan. And I called it the best offense since the Spurrier era, and I, I stand by that. Uh, now, I mean, you're competing against all those Will Muschamp offensive coordinators and a guy that's flailing a bit at Nebraska right now. But, um, <laughs> you uh, you know, I I think you feel good about that, especially, you know, 
the online community, um, you know, take ownership over it if this was you, uh, definitely threw their hands up whenever the hire was made. Um, there was a lot of hand wringing. Uh, there was even more hand wringing after Clemson went and got Riley, uh, who South Carolina fans kind of hoped that they would get. And um, I don't know. So far, things seem to be working out better. I was going to say, if you, this is not really a week five conversation, but I guess it's rivalry season 365 here. Would you swap OCs right now if you had the chance? I don't think you would if you're a South Carolina fan. It's four games. I know things can change, but it's it's tough to say because I think the quarterback play at South Carolina uh, is, yeah. is a lot better. Uh, could a offensive coordinator that just took an offense to the national championship last year do some good things with Spencer Adler? I'm sure he could. Um, I don't think you're disappointed in the hire though. No, at this point. And I think um, it just comes back to, again, you talk about scheming for weaknesses. Um, quarterback play is not a weakness, but if whether you're looking at next year, if there's growing pains with Lenoris, whatever that might be, you feel good about Dowellogic's ability to work around your limitations just in general through four games? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like he definitely has a, a feel for things. And, and that's something we talked a lot about last year, too, was I don't know that there's anything wrong with Satterfield's scheme. Uh, it was just some of the decision-making. Um, I don't want to speak out of turn. So I'm, this is, let's, let's put the uh, speculation tag on the front of what I'm about to say. Um, but to me, it seemed like Satterfield likes his offense and wants things to fit into his offense, whereas Loggins, uh, so far, to me, seems a little bit more um, open to improvisation open to player feedback all those sorts of things and when you have a guy as experienced uh as rattler at this point that seems to be a, a match made in heaven i think it's a trust name more than anything i think dowell Loggins really really trusts spencer rattler to know what he's doing to command the offense to make plays to make the right decision that's something he's talked about a lot um i think he i think he trusts Xavier Leggett. Um, he's talking about yesterday that he's got the greatest worth the worth ethic he's seen in any player since he was coaching Frank Gore in the NFL. Um, I think he trusts, I think Honoré trusts his center. You got a veteran there who's making the calls to the line and getting the protection set. I think Dowell Lock has just generally trust the veterans on this offense. Um, and that goes obviously a very long way because the coach can't go out there and make the plays himself. Yeah, and we've heard that note on Legat a couple of times over the past few weeks, and uh I think it's hard to understate when you have a young football team the way the South Carolina is when you might still be a year or two away from your optimal lineup across the board but you're you've been recruiting pretty well all those sorts of things having a guy like that who has worked hard over the past four years and now it has come to fruition uh in a major way for him he's leading the country and and receiving yards um he's you know rocketing up draft boards all those sorts of things I think that uh, it's it's hard to understate the impact that that's probably having on the locker room uh, for those young guys too to just see okay if if you put your nose down and and work hard then uh, sky's kind of the limit. Um, obviously, it helps to be able to run a four three forty or or whatever. Uh, I, I saw Legat, and I don't know how accurate these uh, mile per hour things that they put up on uh, the broadcast and stuff are, but I saw that he clocked as fast as Devon. And, a chain or a chan or have you however he's going by it now and uh raheem mostert last week which is pretty impressive 
I don't know how they do it either. Dowell Logan said, or excuse me, Shane said he got to 22 miles an hour twice last week. I have no reason to think that's wrong. Um, dude's fast. I can see that with my eyes. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can outrun DBs. That's kind of what you need. Yeah, he took that slant, 73 of the 76 yards on his own last week. So, um, all right. So we've kind of broken down what to expect out of Tennessee. We're going to see a lot more run. Uh, we kind of know, I think, what the South Carolina offense is. At this point, although we saw them really be um, stubborn with the run game last week, to me, I don't expect them to be quite as stubborn with it this week. Um, but I do think that they kind of prove that Mario Anderson's your best down-to-down back. Uh, if you need a couple yards here and there, he tends to fall forward. And we'll probably see a lot more of him again this week. Yeah, I was going to ask kind of what your thought, your spit on that was. I think we both agree that if you're going to win the same, you're going to have to air it out a little bit. You're I don't want to use the word shootout because that's just kind of dismissing the defense to start, but Tennessee's going to score points. Tennessee will probably hit at least one deep ball. There will be at least one, you know, 45 second touchdown drive in this game. It's probably just going to happen. Spoiler alert. How many carries do you think Mario gets in this game? 15? Is that a fair target? I mean, if he's your RB one now, but you're not doing what you did last week, does he get back to 20? Like, yeah, I would say 15 to 16. Um, another thing I'm kind of interested in is do we see a little bit more um, Juju McDowell, yeah. who we didn't see at all, really haven't seen at all through a lot last of the season, weeks. but didn't see him at all the last two weeks. Um, he still seems like a weapon that you could get in space, uh, could use in the screen game as you're trying to slow down that defensive front. Um, so so that'll be interesting to see. And then DeKaren Joyner is going to continue to be the utility knife or, or whatever we've been calling him. Um, probably we'll get a wildcat carrier too. That's been really effective down the down near the goal Very line. So against Tennessee last year too. That is true. He had two touchdowns. I, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see. Any other matchups, I guess, that we haven't hit on that you're looking for in this game? Um, I don't know about matchup per se, but I am, I guess, just curious in kind of this offensive line we talked a lot about blocking about holding up i'm kind of interested in the pre-snap stuff i mean that was talked about it this week uh that was obviously the big story coming out of the georgia game for that offensive line six pre-snap penalties in that game um goes without saying that can't happen again goes without saying that shouldn't happen again if you've already been in that environment once and you're getting a little bit more cohesive as as a five I'm curious how that looks. I'm curious what that does for obviously for this offense for Dowell Loggins when you're not calling plays out of first and 15, first and 20. Um, I'm not saying you're going to go into Neyland Stadium with 110,000 fans that have been drinking all day and have zero false starts. I don't think that's realistic, but you can't have six. That obviously can't happen again. Yeah, I I tend to agree there. And I, I don't know. It's hard to kind of. Uh, anticipate how that's going to look but i feel like athens was plenty loud enough at 3 30 two weeks ago um i don't know that's going to be i was there it was yeah i don't know that it's going to be uh all that much different um there will be the blackout that i guess tennessee's doing and and all those sorts of things if you buy into that having some sort of effect it can look kind of cool at first although if you if you believe Steve Spurrier back in the Florida days, it's actually helpful to the quarterback. I, I don't know if that's actually true. But. I don't think I, is it like you can just see your, rec- oh. your receivers jerseys pop against the black. 
Yeah, so that's that's some lore from South Carolina past. Um, mm-hmm. South Carolina had a huge blackout game back during the Lou Holtz era against Steve Spurrier. Went down, scored on the first uh, drive, and went up seven nothing. And then I think they got beat like forty nine to seven or something <laughs> like that. And after the game, uh, Spurrier said it was awfully nice for the fans to wear all that black because you could see the football better or something like God, that. In the- Steve's the best. <laughs> that reminds uh, me, it's similar of. Um- I don't think it was Saban. He wouldn't say something like that. But in 2008, when Georgia was number one in the country, they did a black guy against Alabama, and Bama just beat the hell out of them. It was like 38 nothing at halftime. Someone called it a funeral or something. I don't think that was Saban, but that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll see. I I don't know that it actually has any impact at all, but um, I do miss – people throwing barbs like that. And maybe that's another factor that we haven't fully leaned into is South Carolina wins this one or it's a close game. Uh, I think you fully established this as like a modern SEC rivalry. I mean, it it definitely seems like these two young coaches want to beat each other. These two fan bases throw a lot of barbs at each other on social media and stuff, uh, especially since last year. And um, I think it's going to be a really fun game. It's kind of, it's, it's definitely gone up a level whether that's through last year, I think I think the coach's point you make is a good one, that both coaches got hired in the same cycle, so they've been building their programs in the same line. Obviously, they've each got the other one once this in their um, tenures, so you kind of kind of a rubber match here, although there's going to be more than three, obviously. Um, there's animosity here. This is real, and it's been a while since these teams played a close game. The last two years have both been blowouts, but historically speaking, you go, like you go through the 2010s, there's been a lot of close games in this series. Um it should be fun. Should be a really good environment. They're bringing back the '98 team too. Their last national title. Should throw that in the mix too. Because why not for this game? Um, it's gonna yeah. be fun. I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's uh, put our our money where our mouth is. I guess. Um, what's your final score prediction, and how do you see this one going? I don't remember what I put on my um, article, which is gonna run tomorrow. But I just think it's asking a little bit too much to go win this game right now. Kind of the You've seen different units of this team play well. You know, your secondary got a couple picks on Drake May week one, your running game last week, uh, your passing game against Furman. It just hasn't all – everything hasn't snapped into place yet. And I don't know if you can ask everything to snap into place in this spot. I think it's a one-possession game. I don't think Tennessee covers that – whatever the number is now, 12, you said. But I'm thinking like 31-24, maybe like 30-23. I just – I think Tennessee wins it late, but I would not at all be surprised if South Carolina got into a shootout and Spencer Rattler gets the ball last and wins this game. Yeah, so um, the 12 points is a little bit scarier. I wouldn't want to bet that now. But back when it was 14 or 14 and a half, I would have definitely picked South Carolina to cover. Uh, It doesn't feel like a two-touchdown game to me. Um, Way back in, what was that, July, um, I picked this in the – early football previews and predictions. I picked Tennessee to win 45 to 38 uh, because it's at home. Uh, I think it's tough to win back to back, all those sorts of things. I don't think I'm going to have the final score quite that high now. Um, I don't think that Tennessee has shown quite the offensive explosiveness as they did last year. And even when they have, it's been a little bit more methodical with the run game. Um, I'm still going to pick Tennessee to win, I guess. Uh, No. I'm not. I'm going to flip it. Why not? I'm going to pick South Carolina to win 38 to 34. You did say before the year they were going to get one of Georgia, Tennessee, or Clemson. You're already down one there. So 
it does track with something else you said before the year if you're kind of hedging those two bets. Yeah, there we go. So I'm I'm going for it. South Carolina, 38. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me. Like, I, I do believe if you get the better quarterback, you're always in the game. And if they get the ball last, why not? To me also, has Tennessee's defense upgraded so much from this game last year uh, that you feel afraid of them uh, in any way if you're on that South Carolina, if you're a player on that team that, that played them last year? Afraid of them, no, because I think you always go into a game believing you're going to win. We heard that even, you know, Georgia week. Um, I think there's a respect for the problems they can cause up front. Um, I'll put it this way. I don't think you're afraid of Tennessee secondary, especially if you're like Xavier Leggett and you were on the field last year. I think there's an understanding that Tennessee's front four can wreck the game before it gets started. Just wreck plays before you get a chance to develop any of those passes. And I think that's, again, I'm not going to use the word fear. They're college football players. They're not scared of the guy lining up across from them, but I think that's where the understanding is that if this goes wrong, it's probably going to be up front, not so much in the secondary. Well, we'll have to uh, to see how it plays out. Um, this was one of the most fun games I've ever seen in person in my life last year. Uh, really looking forward to this year's iteration. I also really enjoyed some of the um, comments in the pressers this week about the post game from last yeah. year. So. Judge Collier was on a recruiting visit as a high school senior last year. He said he took his shoes off before he went out there so they didn't get scuffed. Um, Shane Beamer said that uh, his biggest lesson from rushing the field was find out where your kids are before they rush the field or whatever. Usually a good idea before a bunch of college students. He was, he was talking about how um, I think it was Jessica Jackson who scooped up his kids last year in the in the chaos and brought them, brought them back to the <laughs> Yeah, so um, obviously South Carolina will not have an opportunity to rush the field in uh, Neyland this year, but maybe. I we mean, can you wouldn't it. think so. You never know in that place. Someone else made a comment as Shane was walking out this week. Uh, watch out for mustard bottles. All right, golf balls. Remember that two years ago? No, what, what game was that? Tennessee Ole Miss two years ago. I don't remember what the call was, but it was it was year one of Hypel. Tennessee loses at home to Lane Kiffin on a very late very questionable refereeing call at Neyland and mustard bottles and golf balls are thrown on the field. I do think we'll see some uh, Tennessee fans meltdown if South Carolina gets two in a row. Uh, there's no yeah. doubt about that. Um, all right, let's look around the country real quick before we get out of here. Uh, we'll have our staff picks posted here this evening on GameCocksGroup.com. Uh, just a quick check-in on the records. You and I are tied at 32 and 13 in straight picks. We are crushing right now in straight picks, actually. Um, our record against the spread, not quite as good, although you're still making money. You're, you're 26 and 18. Above and the line. The spread. Yeah. And I'm 20, 24 and one uh, against the spread, um, which is really more in line with the rest of us. So you're, you're leading the pack against the spread over there. Um, all right. Let's look around the country. We got Louisville minus three at NC State. How are you feeling about that one? That's tough. I actually don't remember what I put on the sheet, to be completely honest with you. I, I don't feel see like Louisville's... you having anything on the sheet, by the way. I thought like I for, in for, this week. For, for any of the games yet. Hmm. Uh, okay. Then yeah. I can just do this straight up and I'll fill it in later. I thought I already did it. Okay. Um, Louisville minus three, you said? Yep. I kind of lean NC State there at home on a short week going on the road for Louisville. I, think, I know Louisville's 4 0, but I, they struggle on the road at Georgia Tech. They were down for most of that game. Struggled against Indiana. I don't want to say they're 
they're a fake 4-0, but I'm going to say they're a bit ahead of schedule 4-0 from year one of Jeff Brom, and I think NC State at home can get that done. Tony Gibson's got a good defense there. Um, take the Wolfpack very hesitantly. Yeah, that's kind of where my head's at um, for pretty much all the reasons that you said, and you get the the push for being at home. Um, we got Utah. This will be fun, I think. Utah plus three, which is kind of a weird line to me, but I assume that means Cam Rising's not playing or he's going to play injured uh, at Oregon State. Um, obviously, Oregon State lost a close one last week against Washington State. Am I right about that? Yeah. Um, three, yeah. That killed my parlay, as I think yeah, I that's, on yeah. Sunday. Um, but, yeah, so how are you feeling in that one? I've, I, I feel like Utah has kind of proven that they can play defense against some of these more uh, explosive offenses in the, the Pac-12, but – Vegas seems like yeah, but it's on the road, and I think Utah's home road splits are just so different. Playing at the altitude versus playing somewhere else, I think it's a bounce back spot for Oregon State at home. I'll take the Beavers there. I think I'm going to pick Utah straight up. Um, I definitely would like the plus three that you're you're getting there, but I'm you're, I'm going to put the points there with a the top ten team. I can't really fault you for doing that. Right, and I just believe that defense travels pretty well mm-hmm. um, for the most part. It's a good game. Um, it's a good Friday night. We got uh, SoCal uh, minus 22 and a half at Colorado. Uh, you will notice that we refuse to put USC on our picks. We, we call them SoCal over here. Um, but uh, that's at Colorado. So, Do you so see the celebrity list for this game, by the way? I'm sure it's absurd. No ads. LeBron James, Jay-Z, Matthew McConaughey, Snoop Dogg, Lil Wayne, DJ Khaled, and Will Ferrell expected to be in attendance in Boulder. <laughs> What's McConaughey doing out here? He's supposed to be in Texas. Um, That's crazy. I thought about trying to look into the tickets or whatever, but uh, that I don't think that that makes very much financial sense. (laughs) No, probably doesn't. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I uh, I think that's a pretty big spread for USC's defense uh, with the way that Colorado has played offense outside of last week. but obviously, I'm going to pick Southern Cal to win, ultimately. It's a lot of points, but Colorado is just, I think we saw last week, just not there in the trenches. Travis Hunter still out. That's would have been the biggest weapon to take advantage of that USC defense. I'm going to pick you, uh, Southern Cal to cover. I don't know. I just, I think the air is a little, I think Colorado is still going to get to six wins, get to a bowl game. But I think you saw they're just not there in the trenches yet. Yeah, I also wonder how how much the home field advantage does start to play a factor. And um, kick too. That's weird. Local time, ten a.m. Yeah, it's, a, it's big noon Saturday, so that's ten yeah. a.m. right out there. Yeah, so I could catch it and still make it back. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to look to see if there's anything in the nosebleeds. Um, all right, uh, next SEC action, uh, a game that's actually become pretty entertaining over the last decade or so. Um, Florida is plus two and a half at. Kentucky. I, d- I doubt they've been the underdog in this series very often at all. We 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 locked these lines in on Monday, right? That's down uh, to Kentucky favored by one now. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm picking the Cats at home just because I'm still not all the way on Florida, despite what they did to Tennessee. Road game, early kick. Um, that's a tough one to call, but I just think Kentucky's a little bit better in playing at home. But Kentucky hasn't really played anyone at all. They're a right. very sleepy 4-0, so that should be interesting. Yeah, I'm picking Florida, but that doesn't mean that I believe in Florida. <laughs> I don't really believe in either team. Interesting, that, though, because you look at Florida, 
So they're three and one right now. They got the win over Tennessee, Lexington this week, Vanderbilt next week in the swamp. Clean up that win. Are you talking about if they win Saturday? You're almost certainly talking about five and one, probably top fifteen Florida coming to Williams Bryce in two weeks. Yeah, and still, if South Carolina gets the win, do they come as a uh, underdog? They might. It's just. Close. Could be a pick we're all sort of kind of out on Florida coming into the year, but if they find a way to steal this game in Lexington, you're looking at them probably five and one at the turn. Yeah, I mean they've obviously had a easier start than South Carolina has. Um, sure. What was I going to say about? Oh, I also feel like Devin Leary just hasn't lived up to his billing so far, uh, Kentucky. But maybe that'll turn around eventually. I do believe in uh, what's it, Liam Cohen. Liam is that Cohen. His name? Yeah. yeah. Um, you got the hate week uh, between Georgia and Auburn. Georgia's minus 14 and a half at Auburn, though, on the Plains. Any chance that Auburn gives them a game? Chance, yes. That place is weird. Um, we've all seen 100 weird games at Auburn. I think last week you saw the product of Brian Harson being one of the worst major school recruiters in SEC history. It's just the way Auburn got beat up in the trenches by A&M. I think Georgia's going to do the same thing. Yeah, But it's Auburn. Weird things happen. But I'm going to pick Georgia to cover there. Yeah, and Georgia has continued their their slow start. They still didn't look particularly like they were firing in all, on all cylinders last week either. Um, maybe this is a get right game for them though, because like I said, like you said, I think they're going to dominate both lines of scrimmage. Yeah. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, it seems like everyone that's picked so far on GameCockSecret.com is also pretty excited about it. You got Texas minus Four seventeen at home versus Kansas ranked matchup. Uh, I'll go ahead and give you mine. I'm picking Texas to win, and this is what everyone else on the staff pick so far has done too, but I am not picking them to cover that 17. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I think Kansas is legit, at least in the sense of they play a lot. They play mistake-free football. Uh, I don't think that they're going to beat themselves here, and I think that'll keep the score pretty close. Yeah, I kind of side with you on that, too. The 17 being a flat number, I mean, maybe if it was like 16 and a half or 16, you feel a little better about taking Texas there. But it's a lot of points. Kansas, I mean, if you play good defense, I mean, if you play decent defense they don't beat, and you don't beat yourself, you can cover 17 points. Um, I think Texas wins. I don't think it's ever really in doubt, but I don't know, 31-17, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I think wins comfortably. Um Always has a counterpunch, all those sorts of yeah. things, but I think it stays close. Uh, another SEC matchup that's kind of hard to pick. There's a lot of them this week. Uh, LSU is plus three at Ole Miss. Um, I feel like I think LSU is the better team, uh, but I also feel like they could fall flat on their face because they already have a couple times this year. Um, yeah, that's a weird one. And it's at Ole Miss, which you know I guess gives them a little advantage. I'm going to pick LSU to win straight up, but I don't feel good about it. Man, that's a weird one. Um, yes, I'd probably side with you on that. I wasn't terribly impressed by all anybody was by Ole Miss last week, but it's LSU going on the road. Uh, I think they got the better quarterback, Daniels over Dart. I'll take LSU very hesitantly. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly my, my mindset on it. Um, I would not touch this one with a 1,000 foot pole if I'm actually trying to bet. Um, all right, I think this one's going to be interesting. Uh, Notre Dame is minus 5.5 at Duke, so they have to go to Durham. 
Game day is going to be there. First time ever at Duke. I'm excited. Um, obviously, Duke has looked pretty good. Um, outside of that Clemson win, they're still, you know, holding strong. Um, Notre Dame should have beat Ohio State last week. How are you feeling? I'm just going to pick Notre Dame. I've been in on them all year. They were the better team on the field last week. They definitely kind of beat themselves in that last drive. I, I don't know. I For all the fun, I guess, you had with Duke beating Clemson, they still did give up a lot of yards of offense in that game. They didn't really stop the run very well. It was just Clemson turning the ball over on the goal line two drives in a row in the second half. I think Notre Dame can run the ball well, win this game. I think five and a half is weird, though. That kind of scares me. Yeah, I was trying to see um, what the recent history between Wake Forest and Duke was because I couldn't remember. Oh, Hartman, yeah. How Hartman had done. Clemson ran the ball for over 200 yards against Duke, though. So I think Notre Dame can kind of do that up front. So Estime is going to have a 400-yard game is what you're saying. (laughs) Sure, lock it in. He's going to set the record. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pick Notre Dame. I also didn't realize that rushing uh, statistic, which that's what they do best. So, And then you have a better quarterback in Hartman than Clemson had for sure. So, um, All right, so we already picked South Carolina and Tennessee. Uh, we both said that South Carolina is going to cover. I picked South Carolina straight up. You picked Tennessee to win but not cover. Um, the last one on our sheet is West Virginia – plus 11 and a half at TCU. Uh, maybe not one that everyone's going to tune into or whatever, but uh, a d- decent little line that I think is kind of difficult to, to parse out. That is di- that is difficult. You've got West Virginia, other than kind of walking into a snake pit week one at Penn State at night, they look fine. They won the rivalry game. They beat Texas Tech last week in a conference game. I don't know if I can say West Virginia's Good, but I think they might be good enough to save Neil Brown's job. They're better than I thought they were going to be. TCU also undefeated since week one, that Colorado game. I'll pick TCU to win, but not cover at home. 12 and a half feels like a lot. These teams feel close together. Um, but I don't think anything would really surprise me. That's a, that's a weird line. That's a weird game. Yeah, I don't want to touch that one either. Uh, I will pick TCU to win and cover. I think they're the deeper, better team. Um, but I don't like it, and that's all I got. Um, I right. a more? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was about to say, we didn't even talk Clemson-Syracuse. Yeah, that's, that's one of the ones. How good do we think Syracuse is at 4-0? Because it is 4-0, and that's not nothing. I think there's only 27 undefeated teams left in all of FBS, but 4-0 against Colgate, Western Michigan, Purdue, and Army. Hey, but they beat Purdue by 15. Um, yeah, it's at the Carrier Dome, which is a weird place, and I feel like Clemson in particular has struggled there. Last time the South years. Carolina won in England, Clemson lost the Carrier Dome that weekend. Ooh, that's a good seventeen. Um, could we get another perfect weekend? <laughs> um, that's another noon kick uh, on ABC. Clemson is favored at minus 6.5. I definitely am at least – picking Syracuse to cover. I think I would too. I don't know if I could pick them to win it outright though. It's possible that Syracuse is just completely fraudulent and this is Clemson's get right game. I don't think that's going to happen, but I have to at least consider the possibility given who Syracuse has played. Um, but Syracuse can run the ball. Um, so we'll see what happens here. And it's a, I'm not going to call it a, you know, walk it into a hundred thousand people in Neyland, but it is a road spot for Cade Klubnik. So we'll see what happens there. And then A&M-Arkansas, that game feels like it's always fun. It's always a 
Dallas game. AM favored by six and a half, even without Connor Wegman, which we didn't mention, by the way. Connor Wegman's out for the season. That's a South Carolina's week nine opponent down a quarterback. What's your uh, AM Arkansas read? Another noon kick there. It seems like AM's defense is finally like kind of living up to its star rating lately. Uh, so I do think they're going to give Arkansas some problems. And also, if you are going to have a backup quarterback, I, I think Max Johnson's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, he played so well last week when he came to me. I think, you're, I think they're going to be all right. I, I would pick AM in that one. I tend to agree with you. I've been kind of underwhelmed by Arkansas so far. That's about all I had on this week. I don't know if you had any other games you wanted to toss in. No, I mean, unless you want to talk about Michigan probably destroying Nebraska. Um, <laughs> that's that's all I got. Um, Washington, Arizona, kind of interesting. Because, I like watching Washington, but yeah, they're, it's going to be a good game. Any chance Mississippi State gives Alabama any uh, a, a ball game at home? Sure. Why not? It's a 9 o'clock kick. Let's get weird. I think if uh, – they continue to open up the playbook a little bit and let their SEC number three all-time leading passer throw the ball around uh, like they did last week. It could get. Am a struggle against Quinn Ewers? Sure, that's. I wouldn't pick it. I mean, the line right, right now is Bama favored by fourteen and a half. Oh, 14. you got seventeen there. Wow, you're right. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't pick Mississippi State just given what they did against LSU. But I don't know. Let's get weird. <laughs> it kind of feels like the theme of this SEC week. It's just weird games. Um, I definitely think it should be full of highly entertaining games. A lot of those lines we were saying are, are very difficult to pick and don't like any of them. Um, me and my friend go back and forth and like try to pick games against the spread against each other uh, every week, and this has definitely probably been the hardest week so far. So um, should be a fun college football Saturday. We'll have plenty more coverage in the lead-up to the game on GameCocksGroup.com. We'll have the live thread going uh, during the game. Uh, from Neyland Stadium. Alan will be in Neyland. I'll be watching the broadcast. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to hanging out and talking some ball with you guys. In the meantime, we'll be back here on Sunday to uh, talk review of that game. And uh, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast. We'll see you.